Can you name any of them? Um, yes. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not... Oh, hold on. I, I know. Yeah. You know a few. Yeah, I know. Now, do you think you've kept those Ten Commandments? Um, yes. Have you ever told a lie? Well, at some times, you know, most every human does. So you broke that one? Yes. So what are you called if you tell a lie? A liar. Have you ever stolen? No, sir, I haven't. Even something really small. Be honest before God. Well, I guess a little stuff. Like, yeah. maybe like a piece of gum or something. Just a piece of gum. So what does that make you? Wow, well, that's stealer, I guess. Thief. See, the value of the thing you steal doesn't make any difference. If I open your wallet and just take out one dollar, it's as bad as taking out a hundred dollars. I'm a thief. And Jesus said, if you, if we look at a woman and lust after her, we commit adultery with her in her heart. Have you ever done that? Um, no, sir. You've never looked at a woman with lust? Um, well... Your friend over there is laughing at you. He doesn't think you're speaking the truth. Well, I mean, yes, I have looked at a woman, you know. So you've told another lie. Right? Yes. So you've really blown it, haven't you? So you've broken three commandments. We've only looked at three. We haven't looked at the other seven. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Yes, sir. So instead of using a four-letter filth word to express disgust, you've taken the name of the God who gave you life and used his name as a curse word, which is called blasphemy. So on Judgment Day, when God judges you by that standard, are you going to be innocent or guilty of breaking his commandments? I would be guilty of that one. You think you'll go to heaven or hell? Um... Well, I think, I think I'd probably go to heaven in the sense that that's that's one thing that from now on I'll try to improve myself and that God might forgive me for all my for the sins that I've broken from that. So, do you think God should let murderers and liars and thieves and adulterers into heaven? I guess not. So you're in big trouble. Really, you're heading for hell, aren't you? Yeah. Does that concern you? Yes. Yes, it does. Because there's nothing more valuable, valuable than your life, is there? Would you sell one of your eyes for a million dollars? No, sir. Because your eyes are precious to you, aren't they? And you, they're the windows of your soul. Your soul or your life looks out those, those eyes. Now, Jesus said, you ought to despise the value of your eye compared to the value of your soul. He said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it's better to enter heaven without an eye than go to hell with both your eyes. And do you know why Jesus died on the cross? Why he did? For, uh, for sinning. Sinning? Well, he died for our sins, for the sins of the world. Of, of everybody around the world, like you know, sacrificing himself for everyone else. Now, do you know how to uh, partake in that gift of salvation? Do you know what you should do? No. Well, if you were on a plane and you knew you had to jump and there was a parachute under the seat, what would you do? I would take the parachute. Put it on. You wouldn't just believe in it, would you? You'd put it on. Yes exactly what you have to do with Jesus. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to repent, that is, turn from your sins once for all, and put your faith in Jesus the same way you put your trust in a parachute. The moment you do that, the Bible says you'll pass from death to life. You'll come out of darkness into light, and you'll receive God's gift of everlasting life. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You're a young man. You've got your whole life ahead of you. What age do you think you'll die at? Um, hopefully at an age where I, fulfill, I feel that I've fulfilled my life probably, hopefully 80, 85. Do you believe that you could die today? Yes, I do. So shouldn't, shouldn't you make peace with God today? Yes, I should. 
Well, you give some serious thought to what we're talking about. Do you have a Bible? Get on your knees somewhere, say, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Change my heart. Jesus, I trust you with my eternal salvation. Pick up a Bible, read it, and obey what you read, and God will never let you down. Hey, thanks for listening. So what I want to talk to you tonight, obviously you can see probably by what we showed you that we're going to talk about the commandments. And um, obviously it's what God has set before us to live by. It's a standard. It's what he had planned. Um, it's actually in Exodus 20 and also in Deuteronomy 5. Uh, the Bible makes it clear that there's uh, two different times that he goes through and he explains the commandments of God and the way we're, which we're supposed to live. One of the things that the video did right off the bat is it asked this young guy what were the commandments, and he was able to pick out a couple. He was able to tell a few. Um, sadly, there's statistics that show a lot of Christians do not know the Ten Commandments. It's not that hard. We tend to remember what Brad and Angelina's baby's name is, you know, the bartender and Simpsons, all these different things, we remember these things. But we don't remember the Ten Commandments. Um, we went through, we've heard some of them. We're going to go through and we're going to talk about what the other ones are. Uh, one of the things it says, it starts off in Exodus 20, it says, I am the Lord your God. I think that's interesting. Right off the bat, it tells exactly what we just taught not too long back. I said that God says all the time, I am. I am. And uh, basically saying that he exists, that he's your God. And uh, it starts off right off of number one is we're not supposed to have no other gods, only God himself, and that's it in our life. Uh, second commandment is don't make for yourself an idol of anything on heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Don't put those things above your worship of God. The third commandment, you should not misuse the name of the Lord your God, and that's in curses or in silliness, just in just... Just a quick comment saying things like this. Uh, the fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Work six days and do everything you need to do. But on the seventh day, do not work, but set it apart as a holy day. The fifth commandment, honor your parents, honor your mother and father so that you're going to live a long life. That's the only commandment that actually comes with a guarantee afterwards. Right off the bat, as soon as he says that, honor your mother and father, he says, if you do that, you'll have a long life. We all want to live longer. No one wants to die right away. We want to live a long life, so that's one thing we're supposed to be thinking about. No murder. You're not supposed to be murdering. Uh, one of the things that happens when Jesus comes back, he says it's not just murder as in really killing somebody, but it's also included in that as hatred. If we really truly hate, God considers that vile and evil and considers it type of a murder. Uh, number seven, no adultery. A lot of times we look at that as only in the marriage situation, but what God's also saying is don't place anything above me. You know, don't, I'm supposed to be number one. God's supposed to be number one in your life. Don't put something else that takes your attention and your time away and uh, tie yourself to that instead. Number eight, no stealing. Number nine, no lying. Number 10, no lusting after or envying your neighbor's possessions. possessions. If you read through those things, can you see where our society's a little off? I mean, isn't society based on the number 10 right now? Don't we all the time see all these different uh, commercials on television? You know, you got the Land Rovers or, you know, the Hummers or, you know, these fancy cars and all this. And everything is to want to want the better car, the better house, to envy, to want more than what we can possibly, like, afford to have and, and take care of ourselves. Um, 
God actually gave these commandments. I've kind of, this has been a real interesting thing because no matter what God has spoken on to me on teaching, it seems to always come around full circle. And uh, one of the things that God has really been speaking when I was going through the I Am message <clears throat> was that um, a lot of the things that he was speaking to were the people that he just saved from slavery and pulled them out of Egypt and they were the Israelites. And uh, this is exactly one of those things where right after they're taken out, right after they're promised this, this other opportunity to go into the promised land and they're removed from this idea of having to be slaves you know, for Pharaoh, he goes ahead and he explains to them that there is a command, commands that I have for you that, and how you're supposed to live your life now. And what he says in Deuteronomy 4, 1 and 2, he says, Hear now, O Israel, the decrees and laws that I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you. <clears throat> do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. God was speaking to his, his faithful ones. You'll see throughout the Bible when you read it that a lot of times he speaks to the Israelites. He speaks, he speaks to those people who are his chosen people. Thankfully, God allowed the Gentiles, which is most of us don't have a Jewish background. <clears throat> because of the fact that he's allowed the Gentiles to come into the same promise, we're also promised this <clears throat> promised land, the opportunity to have heaven, to have that chance to, to grow and uh, you know, in our faith and also reach that, that beautiful place that we can exist in. Um, it's no different today. It's exactly the same promise that we were ge- they were given then was given to us still now. God's word is, word is timeless. It never changes. See, it might have happened 2,000 years ago, but whatever he speaks, you'll see that a lot of times it just repeats itself and you realize that he's speaking to the same people today. Um, follow his commands. That's what he says. Just follow my commands. But what's interesting about the commandments is a person can't really follow them if they don't know them. You don't see them. You're not aware of them. Um, a couple of weeks ago, when we did our separate times when we were separate and we kind of went through um, some of the things <clears throat> that God says to us, I was surprised that people didn't realize that really lying is a sin, that it's a commandment that God tells us not to break. Um, honoring your mother and father, speaking badly about them. They didn't realize that that's something that God actually holds them accountable. You will not reach heaven if you don't do the things that you're supposed to do with that. So I was really kind of surprised by that. And I thought, boy, at this time, I thought, I really got to start to teach the Ten Commandments because I don't think that people really are aware of what God says we can do and can't do. And like I said, because they're not around, therein lies the problem because you can't see the Ten Commandments everywhere like you used to. Um, do you know the Ten Commandments? Without looking, could you tell me the Ten Commandments? Anybody? I just got done saying them. You should be able to. But most of us would really have a hard time with trying to, uh, you know, come up with them and say them and, and repeat them. But that's because we don't see them like we used to. I can honestly say <clears throat> that what happens a lot of times is um, we don't see them. We're not aware of them because they're not everywhere like used to run into them. In the like, 30s and 40s, they used to be where everybody could you know, see them. Thank you. I know. I don't know what's going on. Wow, this is frozen. Salad. I don't think there's any water coming out of this. That's ice. <laughs> there ain't nothing coming out of that. I don't know what happened there. I think we need to turn down our freezer. Or refrigerator, I should say. 
But you know, the thing is, could we recite them? Could we repeat them? Could we tell the people around them? I can honestly say I fell short. Um, when God's word tells us that we're supposed to know them, I can say as a parent, I didn't get saved until I was 28. I didn't understand how important they were. I never taught those things to my kids. Um, about five years ago, you might have heard, if you were aware, paying attention, um, <laughs> um, you might want to uh, remember the fact that there was, uh, five years ago, there was this big commotion in the media about um, a Chief Justice, Roy Moore. He was from Alabama, and he had placed a two-ton monument in, of the Bible in the courthouse that he was the judge in. And uh, he was a really firm believer. He really wanted people to understand that, you know, our laws are based on the commands of God. That's what our country is based on. That's what we're founded in. And so he was really just adamant. He wanted that to be done. So he spent the money. He had him do it in the dark at night. He had him bring in this two-ton monument of the Bible with all this carved into it. And within three months, of course, of it being there, there were suits being filed to remove it right away on the grounds that it sent a message to all who entered the state judicial building that the government encourages and endorses the practice of religion in general and Judeo-Christianity in particular. So people were upset, of course. And after a year at trial, uh, it was decided that the monument um, violated the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment in the U.S. Constitution and was thus unconstitutional that it'd be there. And Judge Moore, who had placed it there, was told to remove it, get rid of it. And uh, Judge Moore didn't really like that. He thought, nope, this is what people need to see. They need to hear it. And uh, so what he decided was he was going to appeal the decision. And it actually stayed in the court system for about a year. And the final decision was that the earlier judgment would stand and Judge Moore would be forced to remove the statue by August 20th, 2003. Basically, Judge Moore still was pretty defiant. He didn't want it to, to be removed. So he announced his intention that he was going to disobey the judge's order to have the monument removed on this August 14th of that year. And within a few days, when the monument was supposed to be removed, Judge Moore was also charged with an ethics violation, and he was soon removed from his post. He lost his job over the fact that he refused to take this monument out. He basically said, my plan is not to take something and shroud it and throw it in the back room so that people don't see it. The commandments of God were supposed to be out there for people to see. It is what our country is based on. And he was really adamant about it. And, of course, we know in our society today that's not really allowed. And so it was removed. So we don't see the Ten Commandments anymore. We don't see them like we used to. Do you know, you guys may go to a Christian school, you may have it different, but they used to be in every single school, used to see the Ten Commandments written and they were posted on every school. Just about every single school they were there and you could read them. They used to be in public buildings. They'd be on um, carvings and things all around that you would see that there were the Ten Commandments carved there, noticed there, so you could see them. Also, people used to tell their kids about them. They used to raise them and tell them that there were Ten Commandments that God told them to which to live by. And uh, not only the commandments, but also prayer is banned, basically, in school today. But everywhere that you go publicly, you're not going to see it. You're not going to hear prayer. You're not going to be allowed to do those things because society says that's not allowed. So there's actually this quote I heard, and I thought it was pretty cool. I don't know who to really give credit to it. Uh, for because there was no uh, title when I found it. It says, we've removed prayer and the Ten Commandments from our schools and then told the children that they came from apes, but yet we're surprised when they start to act like apes. 
You know, it's the truth. It's like we, we really don't understand that there is a basis for behavior. The commandments were set in there for us to understand how and which we're supposed to live and survive and make it. It wasn't there to really just stop us. It was there to give us boundaries. That's what it was all about. Um, so why should we care that they're not around anymore? Why should we care that someone like Judge Moore lost his job? He was, in, he was a judge for many, many years. Why should we care that this is a man who lost his job because of the fact that society says and the court system says that they're not allowed to have this anymore? I really think it's because God told us that we're supposed to be aware of them. If you don't know the Ten Commandments, you need to know the Ten Commandments. You have to know them because it's the way in which you're going to live. And there's a reason why, because it tells us everything on how that we're going to survive and we're going to exist and we're going to be victorious in our life. Um, God's commands are absolute. I don't know if you know what that means, which basically means that they're free from imperfection. They're complete. They're perfect. God set up a perfect standard for which we're supposed to live. We just don't do it. Sadly, today, absolutes are not even tolerated. You're not allowed to have an absolute truth. You're not allowed to think in black and white. You're supposed to think in the gray area. It's like, well, what's good for you might not be good for me. That's what society tells us. God's word says, no, no, there is a right way and there's a wrong way, and this is the way you're supposed to live. God thinks in black and white. Society might tell you to think in gray, but God's a black and white thinker, and we're supposed to live by his laws and his commands. Um, basically, it's just a simply a prideful society that refuses to follow the rules that were set in place by God. And he did it just so that they would have life, so that they can be ruled instead of, um, by him instead of the court of opinion. Society tells us that we just can do whatever sounds good to the people and, and to everybody around us. If it makes them happy, we should do it. If it makes this group, you know, don't say it here because this might make them mad, but you can say it here. When our rules and what we say and what comes out of our mouth should be so consistent, it shouldn't matter where we're at, who we're by, it should always be a consistent message. Opinions are nothing but a belief or conclusion held with confidence but not actually substantiated by positive knowledge or proof. So it's just your opinion. Somebody has an opinion. There's no proof. It's just what you think. I'd like to ask you tonight, just stop and think. This might be very difficult for you because a lot of you guys are young and you're told that you guys are just the best. You're so smart. You're just little computers. But I want you to think about the fact that you could actually have an opinion that might be flawed. Maybe your thinking's wrong. Maybe there might be a better plan in which way that you're supposed to live. You know, God gave the Ten Commandments as a basic law to govern people. Why did he do it? Basically, for our own good. That's why he did it. He didn't do it to stop us. He did it to give us freedom. The Ten Commandments were written down by God himself. I don't know if you know the story. If you don't know it, you need to know it. The Ten Commandments were written down by God himself. It says with the finger of God that he wrote them down. He gave these two stone tablets to Moses, and they were already written down by himself. And uh, they're for the Israelites, for him to go take to him and show them this is the way we're supposed to live. And God's word tells us that Moses brought them down to the people who were told to wait upon God. The God that delivered them, the God that removed them from slavery. And even though he was told them to wait, be still, relax, just wait. And here there's this thunder and there's clouds and all these different things. So there's, these people knew and understood that there's a God because they were seeing visual things. Not like today. These people were aware. 
And while Moses was up on those mountain, that mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, getting those commands, the people quickly began to demand false gods to bow down and worship to, along with the help of Moses' brother Aaron. They basically right off the bat said, you know, what are we going to do? We can't survive. You know, we need, a, we need a God to bow down to. So they collected all the jewelry and they, you know, Aaron melted together and made this little false calf for them to worship. Now that sounds so silly to us today. We're like a calf. That's so silly. It's no different than what people still do today. They still worship stupid gods themselves. All of us do the same. Aaron kind of tried to get out of it. Of course, he tried to lie his way out, kind of and cover his tracks. He's like, I put in the, the, the gold and all and out jumped the calf. You know, it's like, yeah, that happened. But, you know, he was trying to cover. He knew he was in trouble. But when Moses went down and he saw with his own eyes the way that people were soon honoring these false idols again, he got mad and he angrily threw the tablets down. He was ticked. He was just like, forget it. Broke them in pieces. And he tells them in Deuteronomy 9, 18 through 20, he says that Moses had interceded for them because God had intended to destroy them for their disobedience. Because the fact that they turn away from God so quickly when they were just delivered from slavery, God was mad. God was very, very angry. And Moses, if you see again, this is, this is where I, I want just to pay attention and get this. Because God's word is amazing. Because you're going to see something that takes place in the Old Testament that, again, is exactly what takes place with Jesus in the New Covenant. Moses was interceding on behalf of the Israelites. He was the one who was going to God himself, speaking to God on behalf of those that were sinners. He spent 40 days, 40 nights, didn't eat, didn't drink. Same thing our Jesus does later on. He intercedes on our behalf. He is the one who stands in place in proxy to God. Everything that we ask for, everything that we need, our Jesus takes it to God. We also know that Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights, didn't he? He was tested out in the wilderness. We know all these things. We see it. God's word is amazing. It, it never fails. It just constantly just amazes me over and over again. Basically, what Moses did because, did because he was so upset is he says that it says that he fell prostrate on the ground, which basically means he laid flat down, face to the ground, and uh, it was just showing that he was humble, that he was honoring God, and he was in submission, that he had adored God for everything that he did, and basically just pleads on the people's behalf that, they, that God would not destroy them, that God wouldn't give up, that God wouldn't just say, forget it, you're done. And he tells the people later when he says, he sees them, he says, hey, I tell you today that, you know, you could have been dead. You'd have been dead, you're, you're done for. If it wasn't for the fact that I interceded on your behalf and I stood in between you and God and begged for him to give you another chance. You need to understand, people, that you have to start to fear God. Today, right now, where you are, just like those people, didn't have a fear of God. They saw all these different things and they didn't fear. They kind of just turned from God immediately. It is your choice today. You have got to start to fear God because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. When you start to fear God and you start to understand that he controls your destiny, basically it's kind of like those parents, you know, the parents that kind of tell you one of those things, you know, when you act up, they sit there and say, hey, keep acting up because you know what? I brought you into this world and I can take you out. That's what God can do. God can do the same thing. He brought us in. He can take us out really quickly. You know, the commands are a standard in which we're supposed to live. And like I said, they've been removed from our sight. 
And they're forgotten by many, many people. People don't understand that there's a standard and we're supposed, we're supposed to be living. But um, the commandments are just like I say, they're a boundary, the way we're supposed to live. It's not unlike society's rules today. You know, we, we think about what society says that we're supposed to do, the rules in which we're supposed to live in a civilized society. How many of you people out there have a social security number? You all do. Because you have to. You have to. You have to have a social security number. It is a rule. It's a standard that the, the United States says you have to have. You have to have it. Okay? How many of you people out there have parents that pay taxes? You might not yet, but you know parents have to pay taxes. We all have to pay taxes. They say that there's, there's a few two things that you're never going to get out of. You have to pay taxes and you're going to die. That's it. You know, so you're going to have to do that. That's another thing, another boundary, another rule that they say we have to live by. You know, we have to follow the speed limits. You know, we might not do it, but you know what? We're going to pay for it, won't we? We're going to have to pay for it if we don't follow the rules in which our civilized society says we're supposed to live. And if we don't do those things, we're going to be singled out and we're going to be punished, aren't we? There's going to be someone there. How many times do you ever look over, you see a cop, you're like, whoa. If you drive, you know. It don't matter if you're doing anything right or wrong or whatever. You still check your speed. You pull your foot off the gas. It's just what you do. You're like, whoa. The problem is we don't do the same thing with God. We don't stop and think, whoa, what am I doing here? Is this going to make him happy? Or am I going to be single out? Am I going to be punished? You know? The thing is that God commands certain things for us, and we will be singled out, and we will still be punished. The problem is that people don't fear God enough to care. Because a lot of times God doesn't single us out and punish us right then. Or maybe in the time that we think he's going to do it just like it does in society, you know, where the cop might be right there and you're going to be like, get a ticket, you're going to be punished. It may not happen in that same time with God. A lot of times we think because we don't get knocked down by God right where we are and right when we sin, we think we've outwitted and outplayed and outlasted God. God cannot be mocked. God's God. You can't outwit him, you can't outlast him, and you can't outplay him. By little punks with nothing, or by the rich and famous with everything that have it all. Nobody has the opportunity to outwit God. He sees everything. He notices everything all the time. So God gives us, gives us his commands, and it's a standard of which we're supposed to live. And he gives us his commandments so that we can live a life of victory. Not a life of punishment and abuse and things like that, but it's victory. That's what it's all about. Because when we do the things that God commanded us to do, when we honor our mother and father, when we don't hate people, when we don't steal or lie or covet or curse or put anything in place of God, we start to walk in freedom. Freedom of his punishment and also freedom of sin and guilt and all the things that come with that. We have this freedom that comes with that. You know, just like that beginning of the, of the video that we saw with that boy, the law... And our failure to keep the law and how far away we are from God, man, it shows us that we need God. <laughs> we need God. I mean, you could just see on this guy's face. It was all laugh and easy going and, and nothing until you come face to face with the living God. And then you're like, whoa, it's kind of humbling when you realize that you're not what you thought you were. You're not as perfect as you thought you were. Like I said, just like Moses was chosen to be the Israelites' mediator in those days to speak to God on their behalf, we still now need the mediator, Jesus, to intercede on our behalf today. That's the whole plan of salvation. That's why we tell you you have to get in relationship with Jesus Christ because without him, you don't have anybody that's going to intercede for you. 
We cannot go into the presence of God unless we're made clean. How we have it as Jesus comes living inside of us. And then all of a sudden, you know what? He lives there and he intercedes for us. That's what it's all about. But like I say, it's joining to come face to face with the living God. See our failures and our flaws in his mirror. Not the one that society holds up or your friends and your family hold up that say, man, you're just doing fine. You're good. Keep on doing what you're doing. But God's laws, God's standard. I seriously want you to do me a favor. I really want you to entertain the thought that you might not be as great as you thought you were. Because we're not. We're not good enough. Whoever you think you are, you think that you're perfect. You're not. You're not perfect. You're a failure and you're a flaw. Each one of us are. None of us are perfect. We all have to stand before God, and none of us are perfect enough to make it. You have to cut, you know, see that if you could possibly see that someday we are going to have to stand before a God that's going to judge us, just like that Ray Comfort was saying. What are you going to do? What are you going to do then? Uh, Ray Comfort and Kirk Cameron say in the way of the mastery, if we take a look at the absolutes that God put into place and judge ourselves in the way that God actually judges us, how would we ever make it? We can't. God himself says, the disciples ask after he says, who can make it? He says, no one without God's help. You have to have God's help to make it. So we do have a God who's going to punish us. I want you to fear God. Do we have a God that's going to punish you? Absolutely. Do we have a God that wants to punish us? Absolutely not. God loves us. He doesn't want us to be punished. He wants us to be in right relationship with him so we can have victory and freedom. I can tell you as a parent, I have never, ever, once in my life enjoyed punishing my children. Never. It actually truly is when those parents, you hear those people, this hurts me more than it does you, it truly is that. I never want to punish my kids. I'd love it if I could sit there and just treat them great all the time and never ever have to correct them or anything. But I also know that if I don't correct them, ultimately they're going to have way more problems in the future. They need correction sometimes. It's a boundary. It's this, don't do this because you're going to have this problem later. So that's just the way God is. It's the ultimate family relationship. God is God the Father in heaven. And just like that, because you're his children, he looks at you and he thinks, man, I don't want to punish you, but if I have to, I will do it. And I'll take you out. That's how God talks. Just letting you know. So in Deuteronomy... 529, our God says the very same thing. He says, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and that for their children forever. See, the problem is you don't know the commandments. You better learn them because someday you're going to have kids and you know what your job is? Teach your children the commandments so that your children can teach their kids the commandments and generations upon generations can understand what the commandments are and not fail and be flawed and miss it. God is our Heavenly Father. He longs to have things go well for man and for his family. And the result is a lot of times people aren't obedient to God. Um, if you look at the reference, if you look at a, a concordance in the, in the references of commandments, there's 20 for commands, commandments. There's 178 if you look in a concordance about commands. So God has a lot to say about commands and commandments. And we're supposed to obey, and when we do, things are going to go far better for us. Romans 8.28 says, All things work for good for those who love and obey God. And when we obey God, he gives us a full and victorious life, just like he said. Uh, we can have the confidence, we can have the assurance to be who we're called to be. 
And we know our God's going to see us through all the troubles and trials and even death itself. We're going to be spared because we're following his laws and his decrees, his commands. How many times have you heard me say, obedience is better than sacrifice? Over and over and over and over again. I don't care how many times you get up early on a Sunday morning, and man, you're dragging. Doesn't mean nothing to God. He says, but what are you doing every day? Are you being obedient to the laws and the commandments that I set before you? That's what he's concerned with. It's not whether or not you're there. Do I like you here? Absolutely. I love you to be here and see who I am. But this is not going to save your soul. It's whether or not you're in following the commandments and you're following the patterns that God set before you. Sally, there's, this is really hard for some people to be obedient. You know, those people, there's, there's those people out there, I've met them, I know a few, that look all the time for a loophole. Man, there has to be some way to get out and do this, you know? Not to have to follow all these different commands. And, you know, they want to know what instead is, what is the most important commandment that I have to follow? You know, can you just tell me one so I can just get in by the skin of my teeth and just make it? That's not how God works. Not at all. The rich young ruler in the Bible, he basically asked Jesus the same question. It's in Matthew 19, 16, and it says, someone come up to Jesus with this question. He was a rich young man. He says, teacher, what good things must I do to have eternal life? He says, why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, only God is good. But to answer your question, you can receive eternal life if you keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, I've obeyed all those commandments. What else must I do? And Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, then go and sell all you have and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he sadly went away because he had many possessions. Also in Mark 12, 28, there is the religious uh, leaders that asked Jesus to. He says, uh, listening to the discussion that Jesus was given, he says... Um, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other cam commandment is greater than these. I think what's interesting is we're all looking for a loophole. But see, just like the rich young ruler, he says, which one's the most important? He says, the one that you get tripped up on. That's the one that's the most important for you. Whereas mine might be different than yours. I may not have a problem lying. To yours, the most important commandment might be the fact that you're a liar and you can't quit lying. What's going to keep you out of heaven? What can't you follow? That's the most important commandment for you to think about. What do you struggle with? That's what you need to ask God for help for. So which one is more important? Which one do you get tripped up on? Which one's the most important to you? Basically, Jesus says we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and we need to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That is interesting because what's so interesting about that is you take the Ten Commandments and the first four have everything to do with honoring God and our relationship with God. The next six is how we're going to relate to mankind, how we're going to deal with people, how we're going to exist. And basically what Jesus did was he takes all the Ten Commandments and he wraps them up in this perfect little compact bow and he tells you this is it. Just two things. Love the God, Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and treat your neighbor as you would want to be treated. Love them. 
That's what he says. All those other things. See, it's not difficult, but people don't do it. So like I said, we don't see the commandments written down in public places like we used to in the past, you know, but that's definitely how God wants us to live. He wants us to follow a certain way, and he wants you to know the Ten Commandments, and he wants you to think about them when you're not living them. When you do something, he wants you to be aware of it, that you're failing. That was a misstep. You need to change that. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're away on a journey, when you're lying down, when you get up again. Tie them to your hands as a reminder. Wear them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is something that we're supposed to be aware of. We're supposed to be seeing all the time. We're supposed to be aware of what the Ten Commandments are because it's the standard in which we're supposed to live. It's how we're going to exist. Not in society as, you know, America, not as society is in the world, but it's in God's kingdom. How are we going to make it? How are we going to exist? How are we going to survive? How are we going to be the people that God called us to be? Stop and think about it. You got this guy who was at the beginning of this video. Right off the bat, man, it's easy to lie, isn't it? It's so easy just to say, no, have you lied? No. We're all liars. We all try to save ourselves from trouble. First thing you do when someone asks you something is like you want to get yourself out of trouble. You're like, you liar? Oh, I, I, no, no, yeah, I didn't really do that. You know, you're fumbling around. You try to save yourself. You know, we talk about stealing. I, I know for a fact I've been a thief. I know if I look at the commandments, I am not going to make it. I am a liar. I am a thief. I may not have done it for years, but you know what? I was not what I needed to be. You know, was I an adulterer? Yeah. I was an adulterer because I definitely put things before God. My family, for one. Did I honor my mother and father? No. I want to ask you, when you used to talk about your honoring your mother and father, not just to their face, but I want you to know it's behind their back. I was a kid, believe me. I used to do one of those things when people would be like, my, my sister raised me, so when my sister would say something, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, behind their back. I wasn't so nice. I'd make faces, truly gave the bird, did all that stuff behind my sister's back. I wasn't honoring to him. It took me to come face to face with who I was one day to get it. And then I recognized that, you know what? I am a lion, stealing, thief, rotten person that could no possible way make it into heaven. Not by the commandments and the rules and the regulations that they set up. Obviously, it wasn't going to be good enough to do it. I wasn't going to make it. The only way you can make it is if you have a mediator. Like I said, Moses sat there and just pleaded on behalf of the Israelites. Jesus just waits to plead on your behalf and say, no, no, they're good enough because they've received me. They're forgiven. And you also can make it into the promised land. Moses, because of his anger, he didn't get to go into the physical promised land because God tells us not to be angry, not to show that attitude and and because of who he was and because of the fact that he was so frustrated with him, he got angry and he just reacted. And God didn't allow that because of the fact that God is a loving God who does punish. I know everyone speaks that God is love. God is love. But I'm going to tell you, God is also going to treat you like you're his child. 
And there are times, you know what, you need a good swift kick. And there are times you need a good slap. Or you need someone to grab you by the face and say, listen up, pay attention. Take this tonight as this is your wake-up call. This is God getting your attention. Trying to get you to be aware of the fact that there is a standard in which you're supposed to live. If you've not followed the commandments, if you have, have never asked Jesus to come into your heart, if you've never asked Jesus to be real. One of the things I love about the way of the master is I, I just really respect is they don't ask people to make that decision right away. If you watch any time that they do street witnessing, what they say is, will you go home, will you think about it, will you ask Jesus and just to forgive you, and will you repent and will you quit being a sinner? I think that's a great thing because what happens a lot of times in, in churches, I think, today is we want people to make this rash decision. Yes, I want to accept Jesus. But they've never weighed the cost. And you know what? You can do things out of emotion. Right now, somebody could be like, yes, I want that because I don't want to go to hell. But in the long run, are you really willing to make the choice to change? Because it doesn't make any sense to say that you want something if you're really, truly going to turn around and do the same thing in a second. God's word says that's a dog returning to its vomit, a pig to the mud. That's all that is. He says, weigh the cost. Think it through. Do you really want to accept me as your Savior? That's what he wants you to do. I really want you to think about it tonight. I want you to think about you are. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It has no, no, no matter whatsoever. I don't care if you've been told that somebody's God's going to save your soul. It's not going to do it. I don't care if Catholic, being a Catholic is going to save your soul. It's not going to do it. No religion will save you. It has nothing to do with religion. It has everything to do with how you really connect with God on a personal level. Because God is a personal God. It isn't man trying to do and st stand in place for you to do things, and that's what religion is. It's man. What it is is God. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to help you. Tell him you're sorry for being a liar. Tell him you're sorry for being a thief. Tell him you're sorry for not honoring your mother and father. You know, ask for forgiveness and ask him to just help you and repent and change and accept Jesus as your Savior. I really do beg of you because just like that guy says, we're not promised tomorrow. Could you die tonight? Absolutely, every single one of us could. Every one, single one of us has the opportunity to die right now. Just the way it works. Do we all hope to live? Yes. But we all know people who died young. Every one of us can sit there and say that we know of somebody that we did not expect to lose at a certain young age. It happens. You better make sure that you're in right standing because it doesn't matter how cute you are or how hot you are or anything you can still burn in hell, okay? I'm serious. It just ain't ugly people that are going to heaven. It's the cute, it's the pretty, it's a mall, okay? We all have to get there. So I really want you to think about it. Have you lied? Have you stolen? Have you treated your parents badly to their face or behind their back? This tonight is a reminder. This is the face-to-face shake-up that God's given you. He wants to tell you that he loves you so much that he wants you to follow his rules or he's going to take you out. That's his promise. So it's up to you if you're going to do them or you're just going to keep your pet sins and all the things that make you happy, you think are giving you happiness because at some point you're going to wake up. Unfortunately, a lot of people wake up too late. But uh, I really just want to challenge you to start to think about who you are. Who are you really? Are you a liar? Are you worth it? 
Do you need a God to stand in between you? Jesus, do you need Jesus? So I'm going to pray for you. And uh, before we're done for tonight, too, I want you to know we took this literal tonight. Literally, am I going to give every single people, every single person here a piece of fabric with the Ten Commandments written on it? So you can take them home tonight. Do what God's word says. Tie them to your wrists. Tie them to your foreheads. That's what God's word says. He says in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, tie them to yourself. When you go home, take them off. Tie them to your doorpost. Tie them to your bed. Tie them someplace where you are going to be seeing them on a daily basis. To make yourself aware. When you easily fall into this trap of being a liar or you do something, just say, God, I'm not what I need to be. Forgive me. That's what it's supposed to do. See, the problem is you don't see them anymore. My plan tonight is you're going to see them every minute. You're going to notice them. You're going to be aware of them, and you're going to think about who you are. All right, so we're going to pass them out when we're done here. If you have them right now, you can pass them. Um, well, hold on one second. Let me pray for them real quick, and then we can pass them out, all right? If you guys can just bow your heads for a second. Lord, I just pray that you would just touch each person here. Lord, I just pray that we would just recognize, Lord, that we need you, Jesus, to stand in between us and the living God who can punish and who will punish and straighten us out. Lord, we know that you're a loving God and that you care about us. But Lord, we also know that there's a standard in which you were called to live. And I just pray that each one of us would really grasp it tonight, Lord, that we'd understand that we could be the example that we're called to be so that we could reach others around us and that we could reach our family and our friends and, and just those people that we care about. I just ask Jesus that you would just uh, really speak to those people tonight, Lord. Even if they don't want it right now, Lord, that you would speak to them in their quiet time, Lord. Speak to them at night when they're in bed or while they're just thinking quietly to themselves. I just pray that there would be a life change, Lord. I just pray that, like your word says, that you can write their name down once they accept you in the book of life, that they won't be forgotten, that you will take them into heaven with you. And Lord, I just ask that you just touch each person here tonight. Help us to grow. Help us to be challenged in our faith. And Lord, we just thank you for everything that you're going to do. Lord, we praise you for it. And we just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.